So, Squirrel will say something about it. Yeah, that, sure. he will. He will. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, October 10th. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a great day at church, worshiping and fellowshipping with the saints. And we're ready to get our week rolling. And it's good to be back in the studio once again. And this week we have the full slate of regular programming. We're going to uh, have our uh, Monday meanderings today. And then tomorrow we will finish up our look at the Frankfurt Declaration. And Tuesday, uh, Wednesday I may have some more comments on the Frankfurt Declaration. I'm not sure. haven't planned Wednesday yet. But Thursday will be Theology Thursday as we continue to look through the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. And then Friday will be Federalist Friday as we get back to our, our look at the Federalist Papers and the uh, Constitution of the United States. As we are less than a month from the 2022 midterm elections, less than a month away, I'm going to have to see what happens there. Uh, see what what uh, what happens in the election cycle here in the United States. It's an interesting one. I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm still hoping for a red wave. Understanding that whichever party holds Congress, it is not going to halt America's slide into depravity. That takes repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't take political power. And so we need to be faithful and bold in proclaiming the gospel in our age because it is only the gospel that saves. It is only the Holy Spirit that changes people's lives. And that's the only hope to arrest the moral decline that we see around us as we look at, you know, still more stories over the weekend of, drag queen story hours. And somebody said, you know, uh, why do all these drag queens want an audience of children if it's not for grooming purposes? I mean, think about it. You know, you want an audience of children so that you can mold the minds of the young, the, the as uh, Rush Limbaugh used to say, the young skulls full of mush. Because the, the mind of, of the youth is yet unformed. Scripture tells us that we're supposed to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We are to teach them Scripture, teach them about God, teach them about Christ, teach them about right and wrong as defined in the Word of God, not as defined by our culture. So, yeah, we need to, uh, you know, I, I, I still firmly believe that uh, Christian parents should get their kids out of the public school. The, the day of being able to safely send your kids to the public school and think that, uh, that, that your moral values would be reinforced by the teachers and administrators of the school, those days are long gone. Homeschool or find a good Christian school 
it is your responsibility to see to the education of your children. And no, that doesn't mean you have to homeschool your children, but it does mean that you have to seriously plan your children's education and oversee it so that they are being taught the right things and not the wrong things. Excuse me, just a moment. Sorry about that. My nose decided to run all of a sudden. And I had to take care of that before we continue with our podcast. All right. Uh, before we get into our readings today, I want to remind you that Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are sure to find something that is edifying and entertaining and helpful to your Christian walk. Man, I found a frog in my throat. I'm trying to think. No, I, I, I had, uh, I had German sausage for dinner last night. Not frog. Hmm. Sip of coffee ought to help that. Trying to get back into the rhythm of doing a daily podcast. It'll take me a couple of days, so bear with me. We are continuing to read through the entire Bible in the Legacy Standard Bible translation this year. And we are starting week 41. We are on the last page of our checklist. You can see we've already checked off four weeks on the last page as we move to week 52. So there's the, there's the week-by-week checklist. And you can see we're right down here at the bottom. We've got... Uh, We've got just 11 weeks left. 11 or 12? Let's see. 1, 2, 3. 12 weeks left. 12 weeks left in the year. 12 weeks left in the year. It has flown by. And uh, 2022 is rapidly moving into history. So keep that in mind. All right. Our scripture readings today are going to be Jeremiah 27 through 29 and Jeremiah 24, and James 4. So we continue to see that the reading plan jumps around in Jeremiah. Not sure how I feel about that, but we'll follow the plan. All right. Let's begin, as is our habit, with the prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep, we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So now Jeremiah chapter 27. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, 
This word came to Jeremiah from Yahweh, saying, Thus says Yahweh to me, Make for yourself bonds and the bars of a yoke, and put them on your neck. And you shall send word to the king of Edom, to the king of Moab, to the king of the sons of Ammon, to the king of Tyre, and to the king of Sidon, by the hand of messengers who come to Jerusalem, to Zedekiah king of Judah. And you shall command them to go to their masters, saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to your masters, I have made the earth, the men, and the animals which are on the face of the earth by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and I will give it to the one who is right in my eyes. So now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and I have given him even the wild beasts of the field to serve him. All the nations shall serve him and his sons and his grandsons until the time of his own land comes. Then many nations and great kings will make him their servant. And it will be that the nation or kingdom which will not serve Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon and which will not put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, I will punish that nation with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, declares Yahweh, until I have brought it to an end by his hand. But as for you, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, or your sorcerers, who speak to you, saying, You will not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you in order to remove you far from your land, and I will banish you, and you will perish. But the nation which will bring its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will leave it on its land, declares Yahweh, and they will serve, serve it and inhabit it. I spoke words like all these to Zedekiah king of Judah, saying, Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon, and serve him and his people, and live. Why will you die, you and your people, by the sword, famine, and pestilence, as Yahweh has spoken to that nation which will not serve the king of Babylon? So do not listen to the words of the prophets who speak to you, saying, You will not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you. For I have not sent them, declares Yahweh. But they prophesy a lie in my name in order that I may banish you and that you may perish, you and the prophets who prophesy to you. Then I spoke to the priests and to all this people, saying, Thus says Yahweh, Do not listen to the words of your prophets who prophesy to you, saying, Behold, the vessel of the house of Yahweh will now shortly be returned from Babylon, for they are prophesying a lie to you. Do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city become a waste place? But if they are prophets, and if the word of Yahweh is with them, let them now intercede with Yahweh of hosts that the vessels which are left in the house of Yahweh and the house of the king of Judah and in Jerusalem may not go to Babylon. For thus says Yahweh of hosts concerning the pillars, concerning the sea, concerning the stands, and concerning the rest of the vessels that are left in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, did not take when he carried into, into exile Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon, and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Indeed, thus says Yahweh of hosts, the king of Israel, concerning the vessels that are left in the house of Yahweh and in the house of the king of Judah and in Jerusalem. They will be brought to Babylon, and they will be there until the day I visit them, declares Yahweh. Then I will bring them up and return them to this place. Chapter 28 
Now it happened in the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah the son of Azar the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of Yahweh in the sight of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the king of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I am going to return to this place all the vessels of the house of Yahweh, which Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I am also going to return to this place Jeconiah the son of Jehoiakim king of Judah, and all the exiles of Judah who went to Babylon, declares Yahweh, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the sight of the priests and in the sight of all the people who were standing in the house of Yahweh. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May Yahweh do so. May Yahweh establish your words which you have prophesied to return the vessels of the house of Yahweh and all the exiles from Babylon to this place. Yet hear now this word which I am about to speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who were before me and before you from ancient times prophesied against many lands and against great kingdoms of war and calamity and of pestilence. The prophet who prophesies of peace when the word of the prophet comes to pass, then that prophet will be known as one whom Yahweh has truly sent. Then Hananiah the prophet took the bar of the yoke from the neck of Jeremiah the prophet and broke it. And Hananiah spoke in the sight of all the people, saying, Thus says Yahweh, Even so will I break within two full years the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations. Then the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Then the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah after Hananiah the prophet had broken the bar of the yoke from off the neck of the prophet of Jeremiah, saying, Go, and speak to Hananiah, saying, Thus says Yahweh, You have broken the bars of a yoke made of wood, but you have made it th made in their place the bars of a yoke made of iron. For thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they will serve him. And I have even given him the beasts of the field. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen now, Hananiah, Yahweh has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This year you are going to die because you have spoken rebellion against Yahweh. So Hananiah the prophet died in the same year, in the seventh month. Chapter 29 Now these are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken away into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the court officials, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the smiths had gone out from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shephan, and Gamaria, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, and multiply there and do not decrease. 
Seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to Yahweh on its behalf, for in its peace you will have, you will have peace. For thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you, and do not listen to your dreams which you dream. For they prophesy a lie to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares Yahweh. For thus says Yahweh, When seventy years have been fulfilled for Babylon, I will visit you and establish my good word to you to return you to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares Yahweh, plans for peace and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares Yahweh, and I will return your fortresses and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have banished you, declares Yahweh. And I will cause you to return to the place from where I sent you into exile. Because you have said Yahweh has raised up prophets for us in Babylon, for thus says Yahweh concerning the king who sits on the throne of David and concerning all the people who live in this city, your brothers who did not go with you into exile. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, Behold, I am sending upon them the sword, famine, and pestilence, and I will make them like split-open figs that cannot be eaten due to rottenness. I will pursue them with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, and I will give them over to be a terror to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse and an object of horror and of hissing, and a reproach among all the nations where I have banished them, because they have not listened to my word, declares Yahweh, which I sent to them by my slaves the prophets, rising up early and sending, but you did not listen, declares Yahweh. You therefore hear the word of Yahweh, all you exiles, whom I have sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning Ahab, the son of Kolaiah, and concerning Zedekiah, the son of Maasaiah, who are prophesying to you falsely in my name. Behold, I will give them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will strike them down before your eyes. And because of them, a curse will be used by all the exiles from Judah who are in Babylon, saying, May Yahweh make you like Zedekiah and like Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire, because they have acted with wicked foolishness in Israel and have committed adultery with their neighbors' wives and have spoken words in my name falsely, which I did not command them. And I am he who knows and am a witness, declares Yahweh. And to Shemaiah the Nehelamite you shall speak, saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have sent letters in your own name to all the people who are in Jerusalem, and to Zephaniah the son of Maasaiah the priest, and to all the priests, saying, Yahweh has given you to be a priest instead of Je Jehoiada the priest, to be the overseer in the house of Yahweh over every madman who prophesies, to put him in the stocks and in the iron collar. So now, why have you not rebuked Jeremiah of Anathoth who prophesies to you? For he has sent to us in Babylon, saying, The exile will be long. Build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their fruit. So Zephaniah the priest read this letter in the hearing of Jeremiah the prophet. Then came the word of Yahweh to Jeremiah, saying, Send to all the exiles, saying, Thus says Yahweh concerning Shemaiah the Nehelamite, Because Shemaiah has prophesied to you, 
although I did not send him. And he has made you trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am about to punish Shemaiah the Nehalamite and his seed. He will not have anyone living among this people, and he will not see the good that I am about to do to my people, declares Yahweh, because he has spoken rebellion against Yahweh. And now chapter Jeremiah chapter 24. After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken away into exile Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the officials of Judah with the craftsmen and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon, Yahweh showed me, behold, two baskets of figs set before the temple of Yahweh. One basket had very good figs, like first ripe figs, and the other basket had very rotten figs, which could not be eaten due to rottenness. Then Jeremiah said, Then Yahweh said to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs, the good figs, very good, and the rotten figs, very rotten, which cannot be eaten due to rottenness. Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so I will recognize as good the exiles of Judah, whom I have sent out from this place into the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will return them to this land. And I will build them up and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me, for I am Yahweh. And they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with their whole heart. But like the rotten figs, which cannot be eaten due to rottenness, indeed, thus says Yahweh, so I will give over Zedekiah king of Judah and his officials, and the remnant of Jerusalem, who remain in this land, and the ones who inhabit the land of Egypt. I will give them over to be a terror and an evil for all the kingdoms of the earth, as a reproach and a proverb, a byword and a curse in all places where I will banish them. I will send the sword, the famine, the pestilence upon them, until they come to an end from being upon the land which I give to them and their fathers. Now James chapter 4. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you murder. You are envious and cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world sets himself as an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Be subject, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and cry. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not slander one another, brothers. He who slanders a brother or judges his brother slanders the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, 
we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows to do the right thing and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, well, I got a couple of Monday meanderings. Tell you a little bit about the class I was down in Conway for. It was a class on early church history taught by Dr. James White, as I've probably mentioned before. <laughs> um covering the first 600 years. Um, so basically from Pentecost to 600 AD. And we did manage to get all the way through it um, in three days, mainly by skipping over mountaintops in a lot of places. Um, but it was it was an enjoyable class. Um, as, as you know, uh, I am a historian. That was what what I went to college for, that was my major, it was history, minored in anthropology. And so I'm, I love history. And this is a period that I had not really studied in depth before, before this class. Um, I had read one of the, there's a stink bug on my desk. You, sir, will be dealt with shortly. He's crawling around on my desk. Box elder bug. I hate them. They're, but we have a ton of them this year. And they smell so bad. But he will be, uh, he will be receiving a uh, burial at sea shortly. If he stays visible. And doesn't fly off. Don't, don't go anywhere, bug. We got plans for you. Um... So it was it was a really good class dealing with the the first six hundred years of church history. Um, I had read one of the textbooks before, um, but it, I had just sat and read it. I hadn't studied it, and um, the other textbook I'd never read. So I'd read Nick Needham, but I hadn't read Chadwick. Is it Chadwick? I think that's the name. I'd have to find it. It's here somewhere. I, uh, since I got back, um, my backpack kind of exploded on the floor behind me as I had to pull stuff out I needed. And, and so I have 
once again, a very messy office <laughs> that needs to be picked up. Um, but some of the things that struck me was, of course, for the first, you know, couple hundred years, um, Christianity was outlawed in the uh, Roman Empire. Now, the persecution was not consistent. There were periods of peace. There were, because we're talking about such a, a wide, far-flung um, Roman Empire, that part of it was, um, you know, there, there might be persecution in one part of the empire, but not in another part. And considering that all of the scriptures were hand-copied and distributed by hand, they didn't have printing presses, they didn't have Amazon where they could order books or anything like that. If you wanted a copy of the scriptures, you had to copy it by hand. And until 313, when Christianity was no longer a criminal offense in the Roman Empire, you were not dealing with... Um, let me move some stuff out of the way of the little bug crawling around on my desk. You weren't dealing with uh, easily distributed or easily available scriptures. And so by looking at the writings of the early church fathers, looking at the, the ones who wrote before the Council of Nicaea, the, the anti-Nicene fathers, and it's A-N-T-E, not A-N-T-I. They're the before Nicene fathers, not the against Nicene fathers. One letter can make a big difference. The, the anti-Nicene fathers, in their writings... Sometimes we read them and think, this seems really screwy. Why is he saying that? This, this seems to contradict or, or not be informed by, you know, Romans or Hebrews. Or, you know, hadn't he ever read James? Well, the fact of the matter was he might not have. Um, because they had different... Um, you know, not all the books of the New Testament were available to all the church fathers. Because like I said, they had to be hand copied. They had to be carried. Nobody had a, you know, a Bible in their hand. Like I'm looking around my office. I probably got within arm's reach. If I stood up, I probably have 10 Bibles. Um, if, if, you know, they didn't have that. They may not have all of the, the writings of Paul or the writings of Peter. And one of the things that Dr. White asked us in class was how confused would your theology be if you didn't have Paul's writings or if you didn't have Peter, you know, or if you had, you know, only one gospel and you couldn't compare, you know, Mark's account with Luke's account. Or, you know, you didn't have John, you know. So, although most everybody seems to have had John because that's the, the gospel we have the most copies of from that time. Um, which is a good thing, but it also proves very, very, you know, we, we, we talked about the development of, of doctrine and everything like that. And one of the things that 
the liberal theologians said for years was that, you know, John had to have been written late second century because it had such a high deified view of Christ. And that, you know, because Jesus was just a man, so it took time for these ideas to develop. Well, of course, that's liberal fiction um, because the we've now dated the the Gospel of John, the earliest copy of the Gospel of John comes from the early second century, the, the 120s, which, you know, is, way predates the uh, uh, um, sorry, I'm keep getting distracted by this bug. I'm going to deal with him right after we're done here. The fact that we have John so early predates you know, it, it, it so predates the, the liberal theologians' ideas that it, you know, the, the obviously the deity of Christ was taught from the beginning. And many of the early writings of the early church fathers teach clearly the deity of Christ. And so when you, but when you look at the early church fathers, sometimes they're, they're skewed a little bit because they probably didn't have access to the entire New Testament. It's not until after Nicene when now that the, the uh, Christianity is no longer outlawed, but now we can see you know, that professional scribes are beginning to copy the scriptures so that there are multiple, you know, the professionally copied scriptures. But there were many, many copies of the scriptures before the Council of Nicaea, but they were scattered far and wide. And uh, so you, we can see how, how that confusion might come in. So when you read some of the early church fathers, you're, you're, you're kind of cocking your head. And we spent a lot of the first day of class actually reading through portions of the early church fathers. Um, just both to see where, you know, the, where they were, were solid in their theology and also see where they were a tad confused. And so much of the um, development of theology over time was in discussion from various you know, controversy. Somebody would start teaching something and somebody else would say, that doesn't agree with scripture. And then they would start talking about it and hammering it out. And of course, some of these, you know, went on for a long time. Um, the, the, the biggest one being, you know, most of the ones in the early, the early days seem to have been Christological, where they were arguing about who was Jesus. Was he a created being? Was he a lesser being than God? Was he God? You know, so the development of the doctrine of the Trinity was taking place in this time, which is, you know, and, and that wasn't truly settled in the church until, you know, well, 381 was Council of uh, Constantinople, which kind of put an end to the Arian controversy, but then... Um, less than 100 years later, you had the Council of Chalcedon, which really nailed down the Trinity. 
Um, but these, you know, councils, the, the, the reason that these statements from these councils come out is as, you know, why they're accepted as true is because they accurately reflect what is taught in Scripture. And that's the key thing, is we need to always evaluate everything in light of Scripture. Everything that the church teaches must be drawn from the Scriptures. Um, Luke wrote in Acts 17, um, as uh, Paul and Silas are being sent away from Thessalonica because they're being threatened in Thessalonica, we read in Acts 17, 10, and 11, and the brothers, this is the brothers in Thessalonica, immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So Paul would go in and teach in the synagogue, and the Bereans are, are commended in scripture. Because when Paul would go in and Paul and Silas would go into the synagogue and teach, the Bereans checked what they taught by Scripture. They didn't just accept what they were saying. They had to make sure that what was being taught lined up with Scripture. And that is such an important thing for all of us to, to keep in mind and to, to emulate that we should always check whatever is being taught by what's taught in Scripture. That means we need to read and understand our Bible. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time in prayer. And, and we need to be diligent in checking what's being taught by what's written in the Scriptures. In the uh, Church of England's 39 Articles, Article 6 says, this is Article, uh, Article 6 of the Sufficiency of the Holy Scriptures for Salvation. This is uh, just a portion of it, but let me read it. Holy Scripture containeth all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read therein or may be proved thereby, not read in the Scriptures or proved by the Scriptures, is not to be required of any man, that it should be believed as an article of the faith, or be taught, or be thought requisite or necessary to salvation. So, unless something is read in the Scripture, or proved by the Scripture, so read in the Scripture, you know, straight out, you know, where it's clearly, you know, a statement, you know, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, gift of God. You know, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Clearly read from the scriptures. We can just we can actually just read the Bible and not say anything about what it says and the clear meaning of the text. It, it teaches that. Or maybe proved thereby. This would be things like the doctrine of the Trinity, where you have the one divine name of God given in the Old Testament, the name of Yahweh which God identifies himself by. When you get to the New Testament and you look at the cross-references where Old Testament passages are quoted referring to both Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we find that the name Yahweh is applied in the New Testament to God the Father, 
God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the doctrine of the Trinity can be proved from the Scriptures, even though there's not an explicit statement of Trinitarian theology in these. You know, there's nowhere, there's not a verse that says one God eternally existent and three co-equal persons. But we can, by the use of the Scripture, prove the doctrine of the Trinity. So, read therein or proved thereby. Anything that's not read therein and not proved thereby shall not be required of any man. Meaning, you don't, you don't tell somebody to believe something that can't be proven, and, and specifically believing things that are necessary for salvation, things about doctrine of God. I mean, you know, you can believe quantum physics or you can believe higher mathematics. That's not proven in the scripture, but that's a separate order of things. You know, I mean, metallurgy. Metallurgy is mentioned in the scriptures, but it doesn't tell you how to make iron or how to make steel. You know, that, that, but those things are true. But this is talking about things that are necessary to be believed as articles of the faith. Things that need to be believed that make up Christian doctrine have to be read in the scriptures or proven by the scriptures. Martin Luther said this. At the, at the Diet of Worms, he said, Unless I am convinced by the testimony of Scripture or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. I am bound by the Scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. So, unless I'm convinced by the testimony of scriptures or by clear reason. So that's read therein or proven thereby. Keep that in mind. Be a Berean. When you read that great tweet quote from some ancient philosopher or from some theologian of, of today or yesterday, and you read that quote, man, that just sounds so good. Yeah, it might sound good. But is it read therein or proven thereby? To the sources, to the scripture. And, and always, this was, this was something that, that was just so important in thinking about the early church, about how clearly they used the scriptures. So, and, and some of them got things screwy. Like I said, because they didn't have all of the scripture available to them. Excuse me. Until really Athanasius, you know, like I said, the, the, the fourth century. Until the fourth century, they really didn't have access to all the scriptures where you could assume that every bishop had every book of the New Testament. Because clearly, reading the early church fathers before the Council of Nicaea, they didn't all have access to every book of Scripture. And that does cause some confusion in their theology. Um, 
And so this is something to keep in mind in understanding that there's that stupid bug. He just flew around. He's here somewhere. I'll find him. I will find him. He will not last long. You just get the vacuum cleaner in here and suck him up. So, yeah, that's the, the, the thing about, you know, always keep in mind that we are only to believe things in regards to Christian doctrine that come from the scriptures, read therein or proven thereby. So that's, that's my word today. That's my Monday meanderings. Some of the things that, that I took from the class in Arkansas, obviously not an exhaustive <laughs> look at the class. We talked about a lot of stuff, and it was good stuff. Um, another thing that, that was really key was the, the persecution of the church. And uh, we all got talking about the fact that, you know, we're close to undergoing persecution in the Western world now. Um, it's not far off. As I said earlier, you know, the, the, the election that's coming up is not going to do anything to halt America's decline into depravity. Um, that's going to require repentance and faith in Christ, which requires a great movement of the Holy Spirit, which requires great prayer. Are you praying for the salvation of Joe Biden? Are you praying for the salvation of your congressman? Are you praying for the salvation of the justices of the Supreme Court? Are you praying for the salvation of the governor of your state? You should be. Because unrighteous men in government are going to do unrighteous things, and unrighteous men and women. You know, when's the last time you prayed for Nancy Pelosi's salvation? You know, that's not something I've been praying for, and I should. So let's, let's truly think about the fact that we need righteous people in government, which means we need saved people in government, which means we need to be praying for their salvation, and we need to be proclaiming the gospel ourselves to everyone. You know, I want saved people in the voting booths on November 8th. I want saved people in the government at every level who will uphold righteousness and not moral depravity that we're seeing promulgated throughout our society. So pray for the salvation of, of our government leaders. Pray for, you know, kings and men in authority. We're commanded to do this in the scripture. So so do, you know, do pray that. And uh, we will continue to do so. All right. Well, that's Squirrel Chatter for today. I hope you have the very best of Mondays. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.